You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, a proven path to all the money you'll ever need so that you can reach financial freedom with Grant Sabatier. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to an episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm excited to bring you a really special episode and I'm actually doing something a little different. So if you typically listen to the podcast, then you usually just hear me and I'm doing something where I'm actually doing a video interview. So I'm actually recording this intro via video and you'll actually see my guest today, myself and my guest on screen. How cool is that? And I'm excited because I have on Grant Sabatier, who has quickly become like a great person to know and just someone who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to financial freedom and independence. So much so that he has released a book that's coming out actually next week. So if you're listening to this in real time, this actually, this interview drops on the 30th. So a week before his book has been released, he's given us just the honor of coming on our show to let you guys know what it's all about. And then his book is officially released next week. And so it's really exciting because he wrote the manual on how to reach financial freedom. It really goes through everything. And he's also was a guest on a previous podcast episode. So he is my actually first returning guest. And we quickly like, we're working on some stuff together. So you'll see a lot more Grant and I doing some things, but I'm excited to like bring him back on the podcast to talk about his book, Financial Freedom. And you'll hear in the episode, all the things we talk about. I mean, we really go and try to talk about a lot, but not bog the episode down. You'll hear it. But I really encourage you to like get the book. The book is awesome. Uh, Before we get into that, I just want to say if you're loving the content, you know, I always ask you to do this. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen to the podcast. If you don't listen to it there, totally fine. You can leave a review on social media. I love seeing kind of what you guys are thinking, that you're enjoying the content. I especially love when you at me and like take a picture of you listening to the podcast. That's also really super, super cool. So again, just at me on Journey at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, also, you can get a chance to win Grant's book. So Grant has been gracious enough to give me three signed copies of his book, Financial Freedom. So how do you win? Stay tuned for that. I'm going to talk about it at the end. But for now, I just want to really hop into this episode with Grant. Oh, by the way, any of the episode show notes. So some of the things that we mentioned, Grant mentions a lot of tools where you can buy the book. All that will be at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 82. All right, let's hop into this amazing conversation with Grant Sabatier. All right, journeyers, I have a special treat. I have uh, my first returning guest. Grant, you're my first returning guest on the podcast. Sweet. So that's pretty cool. And the reason why is that you came out, you're coming out with this awesome book called Financial Freedom, A Proven Path to All the Money You Will Ever Need. I just 
I just finished it and it's amazing. So I wanted you to come on the podcast again to talk all about it. Yep. To talk all about it and like share some of the wisdom in the book. So Grant from Millennial Money, thank you for coming on the show hey, again. It's glad, yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. I'm really excited. I feel like since we last talked, we've had quite a few other conversations. So I'm really excited to take this to the next level. Yeah. I mean, for when we last spoke, you talked about you were writing a book and I think when we spoke, I still was, I was still working full time. So I was also in that transition phase of like hustling and make journey to launch my full time job. And so now here we are, definitely things are a bit different. And so some of the things, so as I was reading through your book and we're going to get into some more of that stuff, I realized that a lot of things you talked about are some of the things that I did to set myself up to like take this leap into full time entrepreneurship. Um, and, and that's what I particularly love about like the journey itself of financial independence is that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Like you Absolutely. create, it's like, we talk about this, we, you unlock levels of freedom, like each way as you go. Um, so, all right, let's talk about your book. Your book comes out on February 5th. If you're listening to this in real time, this is dropping the week before that. So you're getting an exclusive, uh, kind of just sneak peek on the book. So Grant, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. Why? write a book. Let's just talk. Let's start there. Why write a book? Uh, why was this so important for you to do? Yeah, there's two reasons that I wrote the book. Um, the first one was, you know, I've done almost 400 media interviews. I've spoken to over 100,000 people uh, about money. I've written over 500,000 words. And there's two questions I always get. How did you become a millionaire in five years and financially independent at 30? And how can I do it? And those two questions are much, much too detailed, and there are too many steps to write in a blog post. And then I also realized that most people don't read blogs, actually, uh, when you look at people around the world. And so I wanted to reach as many people as possible. And the final thing, about two years ago, I was invited to one of these like wealth summits. And, you know, I had never been to one before and I was really excited. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what this is about. And the entire thing was just a large scam to get people to buy a really expensive piece of software and things that I knew very quickly were just not good investments. And, and that immediately opened my eyes to just how so much of the money world, the personal finance industry is scammy. It's people selling either bad information at best and in worst cases, incredibly damaging information and people who, you know, only have a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars to save, just put it in places where you should never be investing anyway. And so I was really inspired to write the book because I know like you, Jamila, we share the same mission of financial freedom and financial independence for all. And one of the things is the finance industry sells, you know, finance being complicated and uses all these acronyms and, you know, they want you to be confused. And in fact, I don't know if you know this, but um, evidently the U.S. education system, when it was originally founded, four of the seven members on the board owned banks and they actually money management was one of the the classes in that was proposed in the first curriculum at the US Department of Education and they they pushed hard to not have that happen so that people wouldn't know and so literally our country is set up for people not to know how to manage money and to me I think that financial literacy is a human right 
And so I, you know, I've spent my life obviously um, kind of thinking about money and, you know, really pursuing and looking at money um, as both an art and a science. And obviously, you know, in my own life, becoming financially independent in five years that I've learned an insane amount. And to me, I wanted to put literally the most valuable information just in one place. So you don't have to spend your time reading 400 books or, you know, and, and I wanted to fight the good fight because I think everyone should have access to this information. It should be free. It should be cheap. And so if you can go out and buy a $14 book, that's going to tell you pretty much everything that you need to know about money. Um, you know, I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to give back in that way. Yeah. And, you know, you're not lying here when you say like this book actually covers a lot. So like the step-by-step plan on what it is, one, what is financial independence? What is financial freedom? And then the steps you do to, to get there. I like that you broke those all out. And so you, we have a mutual friend, Vicki Robin, and she wrote the forward for the book. And, um, you know, her book, Your Money or Your Life was like one of the founding like books and founding teachings, her and Joe Dominguez, they they were like one of the first people to really like capture this sentiment and put it in a book themselves. Um, and so I like that, like, you know, you can see some of the influence that influences there when it comes to like tracking your time and money. But before we get into those details, can you just explain what financial independence and financial freedom like means? Like, you know, it means something that's everyone like it's different, but what does it mean to you? How did you describe it? Yeah. So, uh, growing up, um, my parents didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid. Um, you know, my parents packed up everything that they had, uh, from, from rural Indiana and moved to the DC suburbs. And, you know, my mom worked as a secretary and my dad cleaned offices and money was something that, that was always talked about. Um, I could tell that they were always stressed out about money. I knew that, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. I I knew that I was like, you know, the poorest kid on my soccer team. And it was something that was always very, very present in my life. And my dad used to say two things to me when I was a little kid. And these are literally my, some of my first memories. He'd say, life is a beach and money is freedom. And I didn't understand what either of them meant. And, you know, over time, I realized as I talked with my parents about money, they very much viewed it as a path to freedom, as a way to live a life that they wanted that was different than where they came from. And so that was deeply instilled in me. I, I believed from an early age that money had the ability ultimately to, to help you live an awesome life. Um, my parents are in their 60s. They're still working. Um, they could probably retire but they're, they're still worried that they don't have enough. And, you know, financial freedom uh, really means something different to everyone. It can mean something different. You know, uh, I have a friend who makes $7,000 a year and travels full time and he feels completely free. And then I have other friends that live in New York City and, you know, they make $300,000 each and they're stressed out all the time and they don't feel free. And so financial freedom is that, it's it's that, amount of money that you have that helps you sleep at night. It's the amount of money where money's not always kind of gnawing at you and you're thinking about it all the time. And that can mean just getting out of debt. That can mean getting paying back your student loans. That can mean having six months of expenses. It's, it's whatever, you know, helps you, help, helps you sleep at night. And, you know, in the book, I outline seven levels of financial freedom And I'll talk about those in one second. But the important thing to note is that, you know, we live in a world where we're always chasing more. 
And, you know, whether, you know, the world tells us we need $5 million to retire, you know, like Susie Orman says and other people say, um, and we're always going after that next job promotion or that next raise. And, you know, we always believe that like the better life is over there. It's in the future. And one of the things that I've learned and realized is you don't need a million dollars or to be financially independent to get like 95% of the benefits. And in fact, you know, just if you're living paycheck to paycheck, um, having six months of expenses saved, you're going to feel more in control. You're going to have less anxiety about money. You're going to have a little more time. You're not going to be worried about your boss laying you off. You know, you're, you're going to feel okay. And we, li- we live in a world where it's like you think, you know, you need millions and millions of dollars and we're told we need that. But those are great goals. F- financial independence is a worthy and admirable goal. But it doesn't mean anything unless you don't you know, set smaller goals along the way. And if I'd set the goal to save a million dollars and that was all I did, I never would have made it there. And the important thing is to get to the next level of financial freedom. And you know, I outline it in the book, the seven steps, you know, clarity, self-sufficiency, breathing room, you know, and, and they're all outlined there that for me, those were the moments when I felt more freedom. And just focus on that next level. That's where you mm-hmm. got to get. You don't have to worry about what's in the future, what's in the past. And then level six is financial independence, which I define as having enough money that you can live on for the rest of your life. And in the book, I talk about just there's two ways to view it. Um, it can be a large amount of money. You know, you need, I needed $1.25 million, and that's the route I took. Uh, I saved that amount of money in investments. But then there's the other route of, you know, building a real estate portfolio or some portfolio that uh, puts off enough money and makes you enough money that it covers your, your living expenses. And if you, if you have that, for example, say you have three rental properties that, you know, the rental income covers your living cost, you're financially independent. And you might only have $100,000 saved or $50,000 saved, but because you have a recurring income stream that covers your lifestyle, you've made it. And those are two ways to get there, or there's some hybrid of the two. And so we live in a world that's like, you need all of this money, but you don't necessarily, there's a couple different paths. Um, and you know, it's important to choose the one that, that works best for you. Yeah. And I like, and it's, it's important to frame it in this way because a lot of people who are listening, who are watching, um, will, will not have like, or feel that that bulk amount that they need, the 1 million, 2 million, whatever they decide that that number is, is so far away. So the fact that actually you can think about it in a way in which you create like a flexible, a flexible way in which to reach financial independence, meaning like you said, you only saving, you only need to save up 100,000, 200,000 to maybe take the step to start your side hustle or entrepreneurship journey. And so maybe you only need to work part-time or maybe you can take right. a, a lower paying job that gives you a lot more satisfaction because you have the benefit of now this like backup investment. So it's like, you can actually piece it together in a way that works for you. It's not like this all or nothing um, thing. And the, the thing that I like that you do stress, you know, in your content and in the book, it's like, and I say this too, like, it's not about money. Like money is great because it affords you to buy the things you want. It's a tool, but it's really about the time. Like totally, time is what's valuable and time you can't get back. And so one of the things I actually wanted to mention that you said, and I really like this is that like in, when it comes to money and like the problem with like personal finance and what we stress or people stress a lot in this industry is about the expenses, which is, which are important, but how for most people, 
like because we believe money is scarce or if you believe money is scarce, then you you spend a lot of time um, in order to like make it and save it. And so like that in itself is like a like a limited way to think about money. And so if you start to think about money in abundance or that there is more money like out there uh, and you can get into like more of those like principles, then that opens up your mind into a new level because it's not necessarily all about just like saving and cutting down everything to the bare minimum. It's about, okay, how can I earn more money to reach my goals? Like that should be what we focus on. So let's talk a little bit about that. Cause that's what's excites that, that excites me. Like, and I'm sure it excites more people. Like how do I make, make more money? How do I earn more? And like, let's not just talk about cutting back expenses. Let's talk about making it, making money. Yeah. Yeah, let's go back to that idea of time because money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. And, you know, we live in a world that we're asked how much money do we need or how much money do we have? And then we try to fit our life into that. And so we make a certain amount of money and then we try to do as many things as we can with that money and we often overspend. And the more important question is what kind of life do you want to live? And when you actually take stock of that, you know, you realize that those things that make you happiest in life are often those things that are inexpensive or maybe even free. Like for me, it's walking my dog. It's, you know, reading the newspaper on a Sunday morning. It's going on a hike. It's, you know, having a glass of wine with my wife. None of those things cost a lot, if any, money. And the idea is you should maximize your time uh, in order to make the most of those things. So have more time for those. So if you really want to spend more time with your kids, you can adjust your life. So you might not be making as much money uh, as possible, but you're going to be able to drop your kid off at school and pick them up at school. And those are the things that actually give you the most joy. And so you're prioritizing time over money in that case. And this is one of those big mindset shifts for me where, um, you know, we're told that time is money. You know, I was just on the subway the other day and I saw a big advertisement. It was like, time is money, you know, and so make the most, you know, exact, you know, but time is not money and money is not time. And in fact, if you think that it is, you're going to spend your entire life making trade-offs that you don't need to make. And I think that's one of the biggest myths in the entire world. I mean, I was taught that when I was a kid. And so if you think that time is money, you're going to stay late at work you know, to make extra money or, you know, you're going to spend time uh, making money when you don't really have to. And at first, and this is where, you know, you mentioned Vicki Robin. I mean, I very much am a branch on Vicki's tree. You know, I, when I read your money, your life, my takeaway was, okay, I'm trading my life, energy, and my time for money. I need to figure out how to make as much money as possible. That wasn't what Vicky intended. Uh, she actually really laughs about that. Um, but that was my takeaway. I was like, okay, I need to make as much money as possible and figure out how to do that. And I really started at that time and money relationship. And, um, you know, there's a limit, for example, to how many hours in a day that you could, you know, drive for Lyft or Uber. You know, you can't, there's not 40 hours in a day. You're always going to be limited by your time. And also time is not all created equal. And this is one of those things too. If you're working a nine to five, it's often nine to five when you have the most energy. You know, you're waking up early in the morning, you're getting ready, you're commuting your entire day. Uh, you come home, you're tired. You know, the average American watches like 5.4 hours of television a night. And so literally your entire day, a day that, that, that you're never going to get back in your life. You know, the average American lives 25,000 days in their lifetime. So time, this day, today, this moment 
really is so precious. And we just, you know, we just kind of hunker down and um, we make trade-offs that we don't need to make. And so your entire day when you have the most energy is spent trading for money and that's fine. Just realize what you're actually trading it for and try to prioritize more of those things that you love in your life, even if it makes uh, means making a little less money. But that shift of, you know, to some extent for a while, you're going to have to trade your time for money. But an easy way to escape that is by investing. And so one of the things, you know, Warren Buffett, most successful investor of all time, he makes $1.5 million per hour, even when he's sleeping. He doesn't have to do anything. And last year in 2018, I made $45 an hour just for my investments, even when I was sleeping. I didn't have to work harder for it. I didn't have to get up early. And so that's just the benefit of investing over the past 10 years and getting as much of your money, making money as possible. You know, I've made over a million dollars just from like a few clicks on my phone, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's not a ton of work. And the whole idea is how can you maximize the opportunities for your money to make money because then you're no longer trading your time for money. And then the final step is, you know, instead of say side hustling for someone else or working for someone else, you know, it, say you make the shift where um, instead of, you know, driving a car at night, you have a couple people driving cars for you. Because Uber, for example, let's think about, you, you need to become like the Uber of your life. Like Uber, Uber doesn't drive cars. All they do is they connect supply and demand. They connect people who need rides with people who will give them. They don't actually have to drive at all. And that's the model you need to build for your life. And you need to connect people who need things with people who will deliver them. Because, you know, if you're able to hire someone, you know, simple example in the book, my friend Matt has a dog walking company. And he was walking dogs for $16 a dog walk. And I told him, you know, he's 22 years old. And I said, hey, man, why don't you start your own dog walking company? And then you're not limited by the three hours a day that you have to walk. And so instead of him having to trade three hours a day, he hired two of his friends to walk. And now there's 15 hours a day that the, the, the three of them have to walk dogs. And now he's making, all he's doing is connecting people who need dog walkers with people who will walk dogs. And he's the connector between supply and demand. And all of a sudden now he's no longer trading his time for money. He's brokering other people's. And that's just a simple mindset shift and why it's so valuable to try to be your own boss in some way. I mean, a vast majority of the richest people in the world are entrepreneurs. And I talk all about this in the book. I call it the enterprise mindset. You don't have to go out and launch a big company. Um, you don't have to you know, have tons of employees. It's simply making that shift to where you're looking at every opportunity as a money-making opportunity as opposed to just accepting what someone is willing you know, to pay you. Because Uber, right. Uber will always pay you as little as they can. Your boss your boss, your company that you work in, it's like a legal pyramid scheme. The whole reason it works is because your boss and your boss's boss and whoever owns the company, they're trying to make as much money on your time and pay you as little as possible for your time. And that's the thing. Um, they're, 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 you know, they're the one setting the value for your time and they're going to pay you as little as they need to pay you. And so making that shift of, you know, how can I make more money in less time really starts at, realizing that time is not money and money is not time at all. Money, you can always go out and make more money, but you can never get back this moment. Time is so much more valuable. It's so much more precious right. uh, than money is. 
you know, and I, I, I think for a lot of people, like at first, like you said, you did make this distinction as you were talking that you do have to, that trade-off happens in the beginning. It's like almost like that, that, that build-up period that, that it does take that kind of work and experience, right? Like to get to a point where, all right, now I know what it takes to walk a dog. So now I can like employ other people to do it. Cause I know what it takes. Like I know the, the functionality and I know all the little things, the tidbits that I should know now that I can help other people do the same and take like a percentage. But one of the also things you mentioned was, you know, the like wealthy people, people with in companies, they have this enterprise mindset, you know, they're looking at ways to increase their income. Right. And so, or optimize things. So whether that's you're optimizing your fees and prices. So for example, in a full-time job, you can do the same, like optimize how much you're, you're making. So whether that's asking for a raise or figuring out a way to, to, to become more employable. So if you needed to go somewhere else, you can make more money. Then if you do have like a side hustle or a business, like looking at prices, how can you increase prices, add more value or keep the same value and you could still increase prices. That's the thing that most people like kind of like don't get that they don't have to put in more time and hours to like charge more if the value is there. And also other things that like wealthy people do and entrepreneurship um, ship and enterprise people and companies do is minimize taxes and build multiple streams of income. Right. So I think for a lot of people like that is what they're interested in doing. So what are some ways in which someone listening can say to themselves, OK, you know what? I, I know that I have an income problem. Like I'm not going to really get there on my income. You know, I, I cut back or I'm cutting back as much as I can. How can I now go out and earn more money or make more money? Like what are some t- tips or tools for people to do that? Yeah, you make a good point that there's a limit to how much you can cut back, but there's not a limit to how much money you can make. And that's a simple mindset shift where we live in a world that tells us to cut back, cut back, cut back. But it's often those small things that you're buying that give you the most joy in your life. And then, you know, there's there's many pieces uh to, or there's kind of many stops along the path to financial independence. And the important thing to realize is that while each step is important, the real power comes when you do multiple steps together. It's like the, the compounding benefit of doing a few things really, really well give you like nine, it's like 300% of the benefits. And what I mean by that is it doesn't matter like how hard you're working or how many hours you're working or how busy you are. You know, what matters first, and this is the place to start, is are you making the most of your current job? And this is one of the things I hear all the time. People are like, oh, you know, I hate my job and I don't like it and I want to launch my own thing and I want to go somewhere else. And, you know, they're focused on something out there when Yes, all those things are important, but you need to try to make as much money as possible in your current job. It's what's paying you. It's it's the biggest opportunity for you right now. And there's a whole step-by-step process in the book on how to do this. And if you get to the end of that process and you're not able to get a raise or you're not able to get a bonus or you're not able to get what you want then you've done everything that you can and it's the perfect opportunity to go and move somewhere else because I see far too many people who get stuck in a job that they really don't like. And to be honest, this goes back to the time is more valuable than money. Life is way too short to have a job that you hate. It just is. There's so many opportunities and so many different careers. And, you know, I like to think that, you know, in all the people I talk to, most people are like, two or three steps away from a life that they'd really love. 
You know, it's not an all or nothing thing. It's not like, it's like two or three things. And often those things have to do with money. And so going back to your question about, you know, let's start at your full-time job. Uh, the first thing that you need to do is make sure you're getting paid your market rate. And your market rate is simply what another company would pay you to, you know, for someone with your skills and experience to do your job. And when you actually look at all the data, most people in this country are not getting paid what they're worth. And they simply aren't because of a few reasons. They aren't looking for the information. They don't know where to look. And even if they do know, know, know where to look and they find it, there's this power dynamic in this country where um, we're all worried that if we ask our boss for anything, we're going to get fired. And so we're afraid that if we go in and ask for a raise, ask for the money that we, based on our experience, (laughs) yeah, exactly, deserve and should be getting paid, that we're going to get fired. And, you know, you have to kind of address that fear first and realize that in a vast majority of cases, you as an employee have so much more leverage than you think you do. So much more leverage. Like your boss wants to keep you. Replacing you is is especially if you have skills and experience is not only like takes a lot of time, but it's really expensive. You know, the average employee, um, you know, employer pays uh, 40 to 60% of your annual salary to replace you if you leave. So finding good people, especially in this job climate where there are so many great jobs, finding good people that know the company it's so expensive for your company to do. Um, and that's just the average. Some companies, it costs them a lot more. So just realize that you're a lot more valuable to your company than you think you are, or else you wouldn't be employed by them. And there's someone in some back office, whether it's your boss or you know a CFO, calculating how much money they're making on your time. I know because I owned a company, I did this. I knew with every one of my employees how much of a multiple I was making pretty much on average for their salary. And so I was much more willing to pay probably, I could probably have doubled everyone's salary at my company and still done well. But the sad fact was less than 10% of my employees ever even asked for a raise. You know, they were so afraid and I wouldn't have fired any of them. I would have given them all raises. And so in the book, I talk a lot about, you know, I I frame the chapter, like, here's everything that your boss doesn't want you to know, you know, Mm because I have nothing at stake here, right? I don't own a company. I'm not your boss. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help you make the most of your time, not just your boss, more money. And it's all laid out, everything from, you know, learning how and finding recruiters in your industry. That's kind of one of the biggest hacks in the book is that, in a vast majority of industries, there are recruiters, which are simply people that companies pay to help them find talent. And you as an employee, as a potential person that they can place in a new job, recruiters will bend over backwards to give you incredible information on how much another company would pay you for your skills. You know, I, in the book, I recommend you just reach out, you just do a super simple Google search, recruiters, and then the industry that you're in, no matter what it is, and you're going to find multiple companies. Reach out to three or four of them. The ROI of just having a 30-minute conversation with a few of these is just massive over your lifetime. That and that's such a that's such a like good tip that anyone like has access to the internet um can do, right? And like search. And another thing you say about maximizing your current like job is to make sure you're taking advantage of the benefits that are available to you. So I know a lot of people 
if they are working for a company, they have access to a 401k or 403b if it's like a nonprofit. And hopefully they're also offering you a company match. So at the bare minimum is like, make sure that you are at least doing or contributing up to the company match because it's quote unquote free money, but it's really part of your compensation. And because a lot of people don't take advantage of it, the company gets over because like they look at your total compensation package as all the benefits that they, they are like giving you. And so when you don't use it, it's like, it's like, oh, that's more money back in our pocket. That's less that we have to kind of spend because this employee is not really taking advantage of that. So that was like another thing. Now, the other thing that you mentioned, so I want to also make clear that for some people, entrepreneurship and side hustling, they might be like, well, you know, I'm already so tired. I already just have this full-time job. I don't know. Right. And I think it's also, it's good to mention that that's not for everyone. Like that lifestyle of like hustling and entrepreneurship, because the one thing you mentioned, and again, I think it's actually part of the system that keeps us like stuck. So like we need to then take the reins back is that it is very comfortable to receive like a steady paycheck. Um, And so one of the things you talk about is like, you know, you have a side hustle, let's say you're working full time, you have a side hustle, and then you want to like, level that up to become like a full time entrepreneur. That actually in itself is like a catch 22. Because if you like now, like switch to become full time, sometimes you're more stressed. So this life that you're like, oh, you know, I'm become an entrepreneur, I'm going to kind of like, you know, it's, that's my best life out there. Like, I hate this job. But on the other end, doesn't mean it's like, equally as like, it doesn't mean that it's satisfying all the way because there's a level of stress that comes along with not having a fight, like a steady paycheck. So I think that stops a lot of people from making the jump, but then I think it's just important to not like over glamorize like this, like side hustle entrepreneurship life, as I know right now, like I'm in that kind of stage where, you know, nothing is necessarily guaranteed. So one of the things you mentioned is that you should also just like make sure you're like, you're running kind of both of them parallel. So if you have a full-time job, do your best at that maximize your benefits, get as much as you can there and then start that side hustle. But you don't have to like make a jump like right away full time because that can trip you up and kind of make you unhappy with the stress that comes along with that. Yeah. And like 99% of the cases, you shouldn't jump ship from your full time job to become an entrepreneur. The whole idea is like you don't jump you don't want to jump into the deep end of the pool. You want to like put your feet in and see how it feels. And that's the thing is because you might not think you're an entrepreneur. Um, you might not even want to be an entrepreneur, but getting a taste of it um, will help you get more comfortable with it. It's like learning to swim. You know, you go a little bit deeper over time, and then all of a sudden you're comfortable. You know, in the deep end of the pool. It's the same same thing where you got to test it out. But I can tell you, you know, if you start a side hustle and that that first like fifty dollars that you make on your own, the outside of your full time job, it's going to feel really good. It's, you know, even if you worked four times harder for it to make it, you're going to feel more in control. And some people, you know, that, that feeling is all they need. And, um, but you're, you're absolutely right. It goes back to the idea of money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. And so if, if you have an, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to be, or you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to go out and be your own boss, there's trade-offs there. I mean, it's like, there are so many benefits mm-hmm. to having a stable full-time job. And the thing is, you often think the grass is always greener, but simply something as simple as like having a full-time job and not having, you know, if your company pays your taxes for you, not having to worry about dealing with taxes on your own, that's like, it's, it's less mental load. And mental load is one of those things that we often don't account for. And mental load is simply the fact of you have to think, you know, what don't you have to think about 
if you have a full-time job. The other thing is getting clients. So many people want to go out on their own and get clients, but I talk a lot about this in the book, like how to get your first client or first 10 clients. And it's often, it might be a, a different way than you think. Um, but you know, that can be really, really stressful. And so if you work for a company and someone else is going out there and getting clients, you know, if you work for a pretty decent company, they probably have, you know, a year of reserves of money saved or maybe more. And so if the company's not doing well, you're still going to get paid. But when you work for yourself, if you don't do well, you're not getting paid. Um, but there's ways that you can insulate yourself for it. You know, everyone knows your story. You saved up enough money. Uh, so you've taken a calculated risk. You haven't just jumped into the deep end of the pool without having any money saved. Right. And, and then, and that's you had a proof huge. of concept. You had a proof of concept. The thing is you had an audience that you'd built and you'd acquired the skills and you, you know, it's not like you were just like, I'm quitting my job and yeah. I'm not a podcaster. No. Proof and you know, concept is important. Proof of concept is important. A plan, like saving up that FU money for us to do that. And also let's be clear. I also do have a husband, right? Oh, so yeah. like I have a husband, that guy, <laughs> that guy, <laughs> I have a husband. So like my, so, and he still works. So we're able to like use his income, even though it it doesn't like always like it does not always, it doesn't cover everything right now, but then we have that like buffer. So again, I feel like you have to use your, what's available to you. Um, You know, like not everyone's situation is the same. You know, we have three kids, like it's different. It's going to be different for everyone. Um, And so I want to kind of go back to now, like the logistics, because I know one of the things that a lot of people like really get caught up on is like the number that they need to like, save. And yep. so the biggest thing obviously is the more, the, the earlier you're able to save, the, the more you have to compound. But in terms of like thinking about the number that you need, I like that you break down in the book, like looking at it from like a daily to like monthly to annual, like how much you need to make to get to that number. Because let's just say, for example, I don't have any numbers in front of me and we can just like use general numbers, but like, let's just say your number is a million dollars. And I think you break down in the book, like how like much you need to like save or invest or earn. I, each like day for you to get to a million dollars and then how long that takes. So if you're able to do that or like, then you're able to like get to your goal. Um, Can you talk about that concept a little bit? So maybe someone can like figure out, all right, how much do I need? It's like this much, but like, how do I break that down in a daily like way? Yeah. One of the things I want to do is uh, give a quick shout out. So I built, um, nine calculators for the book. And one of the calculators does this, which is you put in the amount of money that you currently spend and it tells you how much you should need. And then it breaks it down into daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly savings goals. Um, All those calculators are at financialfreedombook.com slash tools. They're free. Even if you don't buy the book, you could go over there right now and use them. They work on your phone. And so you can use your own numbers like right now after listening to this. So I wanted to make it as easy as possible. Um, the simple idea is like a million dollars. It's a lot of money. I mean, it is, it is a lot of money. Um, and actually it's so much money that research shows that our brain can't even comprehend it. Our brain can comprehend it. If we had a million dollars sitting in a briefcase in front of it, our mind could comprehend it because we'd see it. But just abstractly, our minds actually aren't wired to think about and understand numbers that are seven figures or larger. And that's an important important point because if you just set a goal for a million dollars, it's going to be really, really hard to get there. That's a, that's just a ton of money. But when you break it down into, okay, I need to save $18 a day for the next 20 years, $18 a day. And you wake up every morning and I do in the book, I obviously break this out 
you know, I call it my money meditation. Um, I didn't call it this back then, but I still do this. I did this this morning where when I'm having my coffee, I sit down with my phone and I take stock every morning. I've done this. I've probably missed like five days and eight years. I even do it on vacation. Um, and I start my day by, you know, looking at my money and thinking about, okay, here's where I'm at. And really spending just five minutes a day with my money, I get so much more comfortable with it. Throughout the day, I spend a lot less because I've already spent time with my money. Um, and it really, really at least helps me get me in the mindset. Um, for a long time, I was investing like $5 a day and then $50 a day every morning because I knew I needed at least $50 a day to get to my goal. And so, Let me, ask, once, let me just jump in and technically ask what that looked like. Cause okay. Sure. So when you say you invested $5 a day, were you like actually taking money from your saving or checking and putting in your taxable account or was it your pre-tax stuff? How did that look? Uh, a, a mixture of both. Um, okay. So when I first started this, I was employed by someone else. Um, and so all I would do was make sure I'd go in uh, and that I was saving at least $5 more per day in my 401k or in my taxable account. Usually it was in my 401k. Um, but by the time I'd gotten to, you know, the first year I was no longer employed by someone else, it actually became a lot easier because I would just, at that time, one year later, I was saving at least $50 a day. I would just open my Vanguard account. I remember, um, you know, I was making $300,000 with my side hustles and my neighbor asked me to watch his cat one weekend. And I was like, sure, I'll do it for 60 bucks. And so he was going out of town. So I watched my neighbor's cat, even though I'm allergic to cats, I took, you know, Claritin <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, you know, fought the good fight and I right. watched the cat and he gave me $60 cash when he came back. And I immediately went to the bank and deposited that $60 and so it was cash. So it showed up immediately in my account. And then I transferred it at that moment on my phone to my Vanguard account. And so it was mm. just immediate. And this is one of the things I talk a lot about in the book is automation to me is really the status quo. Like automation is great. It's your, it's your base. It's where you start. But if I had just automated everything in my life, then I wouldn't have gotten there. So I had, you know, I, I was at that point, I was saving like 60% of my income automatically, but I, that extra $60 made a difference. And that was the manual on top of the automated. Um, and you can do this obviously so easily on your phone, even if it's, you don't have to go right into your investment account, but just set up an online savings account where every day, just the manual act of waking up and moving $5 from one account to the other. Or for me, I got really, really intense where when I'd wake up some mornings and I'd look at my balance and, you know, cause obviously investments are always going up and down, but you're looking at a fixed number and it would be like, you have $7,913 saved. That would really bother me. And I wanted to round it up to 8,000. So I'd put in $87, right. even though it was going to change. But I, you know, that was just a simple, simple game that I did to myself to always round up. And then the other thing that I did was I called it my double up strategy where I couldn't have gotten to a million dollars. Like all I focused on really um, was that daily savings amount and that weekly savings amount and then trying to get to a double up as quickly as possible. And so I remember I saved my first $10,000 and I was like, yeah, that was so hard. Um, I need, next, I need to get to 20,000. And so then I got to 20 and then I got to 40. Then I got to 80. Going from 80 to $160,000 saved, I think was the hardest of all the levels for me. Um, but the cool thing is like once you build those habits and once you're spending just five minutes a day with your money, 
it's like a whole nother game because you're so comfortable with your money. You realize it's something that you can control. And then you start, it's like playing your own game of life where you start seeing the numbers go up. And then it's just like, you have enough momentum where it's just like, you're waking up every day and you're so excited to look at that number. And even if you're starting like $30,000 in the negative, if your net worth is $30,000 in the negative, even waking up tomorrow and it's like $20 less, you know, it feels good. And, And you realize that you have, And this is the thing about all of this that we're talking about of anything in your entire life. There's so much that we can't control. So many things in our life that we can't control. But one thing that we can control is our money and money actually gives us the ability and the power to live really awesome lives. And when you start to realize that shift, you're like, whoa, I have so much more control over this than I thought I did. And then the last thing is one of the biggest things that I didn't expect is that the more money I've made, actually the less I spend because I see the value of letting it continue to grow. And then just simply having the ability to buy something became enough for me. I no longer right. had to actually you didn't, buy you didn't it. actually have to go through with it. Yeah. Like I don't have to actually buy, buy that thing. I know that if I want to go to Europe this afternoon, I can, but I'm not going to. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and that's a huge shift where some of the things that you think about money right now You have to let your feelings change. And then just the other thing, back to your number question, is the financial industry sells a level of precision that's unrealistic. Like how are you even going to begin to figure out how much money you're going to need for the rest of your life? Like when who you are this year is probably different than you were two years ago and is going to be different than who you're going to be in two years. And so the question of how much do you need, it's important, but it's not important to be exact. It's important to just get a rough idea and then know how to do it. So as you grow and as you change, you can adapt Um, and then obviously, you know, people, even people making $50,000, $60,000, you know, it's like, this is in your control. Like you Mm -hmm. can control what you spend going out and making more money. Like all these things, like people are like, I don't make enough to save, or I don't make enough to invest or, you know, and it's really in a vast majority of cases, um, you know, in your control, you just have to be willing to make you know, certain trade-offs. And if you're not willing to make those trade-offs, that's fine. Right. But you also have to recognize that in yourself and be like, all right, like those are competing ideal ideals, ideas. Mm -hmm. Like you want to retire early, reach financial independence, but you're not willing to spend less and earn more. Like you're not kind of, you're not at the mindset where you think you can do that. And so like that part has to change. Like you, you know, or you're just going to be just digging yourself into a deeper hole. One of the things that I, um, you, you said, I'm glad you brought this up because a lot of people listening have debt, you know, like, so they have debt. They're starting out at a negative place or negative, you know, starting point or the, the starting line is back. It's a far, you know, it's far back a bit, um, for them to even get to zero, like zero, like, like a positive net worth. And so, what is your position on paying off debt and investing and saving? And I do want to make the distinction that when you, when we all talk about investing and saving, it's not just like saving in a, you know, an account, like a regular, like online savings account, like investing in your retirement account is saving, like investing in your, cause some people are like, well, it's my 401k, it's my Roth. Like, like that doesn't feel, it's not as exciting as if like that money's just piling up in like a taxable or a savings account not taxable, but like a savings account. Sure. So I want to be clear that like, if you're doing that, the more money you're putting into your 401k, getting that pre-tax advantage, um, 
becoming more tax optimized is like really good. Like you should be focused on that. Like that's a good thing. Um, but like going back to the debt question, what do people do when they like maybe fifty thousand dollars in debt, but they want to reach financial independence? Like how can they frame that in a place where all right, I can actually do this when it doesn't feel like it's just a faraway goal. So to me, it all comes down to a numbers game. And in the entire 350-page financial freedom book, there's one and a half pages on debt. Because to me, all everything out there, the snowball, the avalanche, all these different strategies, some of them are designed to make you feel good, but they're not designed to help you reach financial independence as quickly as possible. And so to me, it just comes back to a numbers game where you need to pay down Pay, you need to pay the thing that's going to give you the most interest. And in a lot of cases, if you owe credit card debt and you're paying 17 to 22 to 2% interest, you know, that's money that you need to pay down first um, because you're not going to get that return immediately in the, in the market with some important distinctions. And I, and I, you know, probably the most intense chapter in the book is, is the investing chapter. It's the longest because it's step by step by step by step by step. And there are some, you know, not tough steps, but twist, twist and turns where in this case, contributing to get your 401k match or your 403b match, if your company offers that three to 6%, whatever it is, you need to contribute that amount of money because that's a hundred percent return. You're not going to beat 100% return. Even if they match 50%, that's a 50% return on your money. That's more than you're going to get paying down your credit card. It's more than you're going to get anywhere else. So in that case, it's a numbers game. So 401k, 403b, contribute just enough to get your match. Then the second thing you want to do is look at the second highest opportunity for a return. So if you're paying 22% interest on your credit card, that's what you have to tackle next. Um, And you got to pay it down as quickly as possible. And you should be doing that almost in all cases, instead of investing more in your 401k. There's some gray area in some cases because of the tax benefits that you get in pre-tax accounts like 401ks and Roth IRAs. I think in the book I talk about, um, you know, it's kind of, a, you're jumping from one account to the other to maximize your, your, your time and, and your return on your money. So you contribute to get the match and then you start paying off your credit card debt and then you actually open and contribute to a Roth IRA because the Roth IRA benefits are so good up to a certain amount. And then you jump back into your 401k and max it out. So there's a little bit of hopscotch in the book um, simply because those small little shifts add up massively over time. So just, just investing in your 401k and your Roth IRA and dealing with credit card debt the right way can make you hundreds of thousands of dollars richer in the future and can mean the difference of like retiring in 40 years uh, or in 30 years as opposed to 40. So just investing the right way could help you retire 10 years sooner or maybe even faster. And so there's some bouncing around there. Um, but once you get down into like student loan debt, when you're in like the 5 to 7% range, that's when you should be doing both. You should be investing and uh, trying to max out your IRA and your 401k while simultaneously paying down your student loan debt. And this might sound like a really uh, kind of unemotional way to look at money. And I talk about this in the book. You know, a lot of things with money, um, it's about 
checking your emotions at the door. And so I used to get really stressed out about money. I remember when I first did the five minutes a day, I would be like nervous getting up and I didn't want to do it. But after you've done it for a month, you're so comfortable with your money that it starts to not phase you as much. And that's one of those areas where you start to realize, okay, I'm, I'm much, much more comfortable with this. And it makes things like paying down debt more of a mathematical decision. You know, well, like yeah, all the you're more in control, right? Exactly. Like you have more of that you've, exactly. you feel more control. Therefore, you make these decisions out of such a level of confidence. Um, you don't have to know everything. But exactly. You realize that you at least know like yourself and the way you spend or just at least your accounts. Like, you know, what's outstanding like that gives you a better like focus. And so, you can simultaneously. Yeah. Like this is one of the things a lot of people think they have to pay down all their debt before they start investing. But if you're, if you're working the numbers, what happens is your debt's going to be going down while your investments are going up. And then your net worth, which we know is the most important number in personal finance, your net worth starts growing both ways where all of a sudden, like I know people who owe, you know, $40,000 in student loan debt, but their net worth is like $600,000 because they invested, but they, even though they had debt, they didn't wait to just pay off their debt. They made sure to invest while paying down their debt. And all of a sudden the net effect of that is that their net worth grows. I'm so, yeah, I'm so glad you just said that because I, I know a lot of people like that is like the biggest thing, especially if they want, you know, they have six figure debts, they have a lot of debt. And so I agree with you. I don't think you should wait, especially with the low interest student loan debts compared to the other debts. Like you should still be investing and like making it a balance, figuring out what the balance works for you. But it's really important that you don't um, stop that. Okay. So I just have a couple more points. I mean, there's so much more we can talk about, but it's funny because you say you like to like look at your money. You look at it every day. Actually, when I read that in a book, you were just like automation, like, you know, that's just like for average people, like you, you gotta go to, you gotta go to the next level. And then you talked about like, but you hate budgeting. Like you mm -hmm. don't budget, like you have like a method that works for you. And I want to talk about that because for some people, they don't like the idea of budgeting. Now I feel like I recommend budgeting a lot for people, especially if they, they're just starting out because they, they have less room for error. Like they need to like track things because if you're coming to me and saying that you like don't have enough money to invest. Okay. So let's start at the easiest thing. Let's look at what we can cut back and like reverse engineer your income because if you cut back your expenses, you put more money in your pocket and then you pay off more debt, invest. But for you and for me, even like I have a budget, but I'm not checking it like every day. And I've actually like, I'm more, you know, a little more, uh, not, I give more leeway to myself. I have bigger bands in my budget because, but I'm at the point where I can do that. So talk about the fact that you don't like budgeting and why you feel like the methods you use then to like track your money um, and so forth. Yeah, I think budgets suck. I mean, I've never <laughs> had a budget. I think that budgets uh, reinforce a scarcity mindset. You know, I think that budgets when, you know, someone's just starting out with their finances and you're like track every penny or track every single expense. To me, it just focuses on the wrong things. It focuses once again on cutting back instead of focusing on spending that time uh, trying to make more money. Um, you know, I'm certainly, to your point about the automation and manual, automation being the status quo, I talk about it being where you want to start, but, you know, the the book is is meant to help you make as much money in as little time as possible. And so there are certain trade-offs that, you know, you're, you're going to make in order to do that. Um, but back to the budget thing, um, you know, it's not rocket science. I mean, the average American spends 72% 
of their income on three things, housing, transportation, and food. And we're living in a world where you're told to budget and you're told to cut back on, you know, your latte or your coffee or your manicure, pedicure, or your concert tickets or your, gosh, if I have to read one more thing where it's like cut back, you know, cancel your Netflix subscription, cancel these things. And yes, those small purchases can certainly add up over time. But once again, you know, the people telling you those are often the people who are telling you to save five to 10% of your income. And in reality, that's all fine advice, but it's not designed to help you get there as quickly as possible. And that's the focus of the book. I mean, I'm, I know that I'm more hardcore, uh, certainly th- than most people, but that doesn't mean that the lessons don't apply to you. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you're, you're, it all comes down once again to the numbers and, you know, the average American saving 3% of their income. And when you're saving 3%, you just run every single model. 3% is you're never going to retire. It's just not going to happen. The numbers just don't add up. But if you can get, and I talk a lot about this in the book, you know, I built a savings rate calculator that you should check out um, at financialfreedombook.com slash tools. You can play with all your own numbers and you can see what, with your own numbers, okay, if I'm saving 5% of my income, here's how long it's going to take me. But if you go from like 5% to 30%, all of a sudden you've gone from never being able to retire or become financially independent to being able to do it in 17 years or less. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, just that one I, shift, you know? Right. And I know you're going to get there, um, but I know as you're talking and I know like the thoughts in my head that are coming up and I know the answer to this, but for some people, it's just like, all right, Grant, but how do you propose that I go from saving 5% to 30%? Like I can't even, it's hard for me to even save and invest 5%. And so like, how how does a person do that? Totally. That's why, uh, you know, in the book, I call it the only budget you'll ever need because you're not going to get from 5% or 3% to 30% by cutting back on those small purchases. And in fact, this is why I don't like budgets because it's often those small things that make us the happiest. You know, it's often those things that we're, we're spending on every day. The reason we're spending money on it every day is because we like it. It makes us happy. And so why not build your financial life to make sure that you can keep doing those things that you really enjoy and not have them stress you out. You shouldn't be stressed out about, you know, buying a cup of coffee and a breakfast sandwich in the morning. Like that should not stress you out. And the way you get from 5% to 30% is by focusing on housing, transportation, and then food. Food's not as important as housing and transportation though. And so housing is by far your biggest expense. And so if you can, you know, cut your rent by 20%, that's maybe 20% more that you can save. Okay. So you've gone from saving 5% to 25% immediately by moving to a smaller apartment, moving to a different neighborhood, getting a roommate, moving in with your friend, moving in with your parents. You know, there's so many different ways that I outline in the book for how you can live rent-free, I call it. Um, And people are like, oh, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. But you have to remember that nothing in life is forever. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not talking about doing this for the rest of your life. You're not going to be like 45 living in your parents' basement. That's not what we're talking about here. And the thing is, we live in a world where we're like sold the extreme. And the whole idea is like, no, just, just do it for a couple of years, especially if you're young. Or even one of the things I see working really well in cities is couples, you know, they have an extra, that guest bedroom that they have, you know, instead of just letting it sit there, they're renting it out on Airbnb. 
they're getting a renter, they're doing some hybrid of the two, where any amount of money that you can make from that extra room or even that extra closet, you know, if you're young, gosh, more and more, I get these emails from like 22 year olds and they're like, hey Grant, you know, I'm spending $100 a month because I'm living in my friend's kitchen pantry. And I'm like, all right, man, if that works for you, because it's not forever. It's like you're a 22 year old. You can be uncomfortable for a while because like just for me in the book, I moved from a $1,500 a month apartment to an $800 a month apartment. And just, you know, it was a crappy apartment. My wife, then girlfriend, she wouldn't come over. She complained about it. My friends made fun of me. They knew how much money I was making. You know what I mean? Like, but I didn't let it phase me because I was focused on my goal. And the net impact of me just moving from a $1,500 to an $800 a month apartment has been hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, even so far. And I only did that for two years. And mm-hmm. that's how I got my savings rate so high. If I had stayed in that $1,500 a month apartment, you know, my savings rate would have been 40% instead of 60%. And so nothing's forever, you know, move a little further away and just that try to keep that expense. And even, you know, I just moved to New York City and I knew just without even running the numbers, the number one thing I need to control is my housing expense. It's just in my mind. It's like, I need to find an apartment where that I like, that I'm comfortable. It might not be perfect, you know, but once again, it goes back to that, what trade-off are you willing to make? And if you tell me that you need to live in a $3,000 a month apartment with a doorman and a gym and, or all those things. Well, and, and let's be clear, if you're in New York, you, that Sorry, but let's be clear. Like if you're in New York, it's like you pay that much. You're not even getting all those amenities sometimes, right? That's true. That's <laughs> absolutely. New York's, a, New York's an outlier. I actually kind of, I wrote this into the book. I mean, like yeah. when I wrote the book, I was in Chicago and moving to New York, there's a 2.35 times expense multiplier. And so everything is on average, at least double the amount of money than Chicago. But interestingly, I'm on pace to spend less money this year than I did last year in Chicago. Because you know why? You have control over it. You can choose where you live. You can choose to buy a used car or not buy a car at all. And those things, like even if all your friends are doing something different, you know, you have to choose to, to live differently than most people. Because when you think of most people, most people is 69% of Americans have less than $1,000 saved. 70% are disengaged and unhappy at work. The average savings rate is 3.2%. The status quo doesn't work. So right. like choosing to live differently than most people <laughs> is good. That's like a good thing, you know? And so don't worry about what your friends say. Man, my friends used to just give me such crap. And, you know, it just, it, it didn't phase now me. Look at I, you. <laughs> yeah, or now, I mean, now they're like, whoa. But, um, right. but it didn't phase me. And it didn't phase yeah. me, you know why? Because every morning when I woke up and I looked at my net worth and I saw it going up, that was all the motivation I needed. Um, and I have no. a friend, I mean, I have friends who made a ton of money and they're still, you know, they're still don't have anything saved and it doesn't matter really. It matters how much you make, but you know, there are stories out there of people who are make, you know, make $40,000 their entire career. They retire in 25 years and have millions of dollars. And you know, this stuff really works. And the biggest, the biggest shift that has the biggest impact is getting your savings rate as high as possible. And so making that trade off. And this is the one thing, oh man, this is, this is what I'm so excited about in the book. And you have to try this calculator, Jamila. I call it the financial freedom calculator, where instead of measuring things in units of money, it's measured in time. Mm. 
And this was the mindset shift for me because back then when I was living in my crappy apartment, I calculated that every $100 that I saved or I didn't spend was buying me six days of freedom in the future. And I have the calculator uh, uh, you know, at financialfreedombook.com slash tools. You can use it right now and you can put in your own numbers it, no matter where you're at. And it's going to tell you literally for any amount of money, $100, $10,000, $40,000 car. A $40,000 car, you're probably like most people are going to have to work like seven more years in the future to afford that car. And just making that subtle mindset shift for me was like, I need to save as much as possible because going to a 10% savings rate as opposed to a 5% savings rate, it's like it a decade yeah. difference. And I actually like, cause you were, you talking, I'm like, I know what the, I know the pushback already for a lot of people is like that, that, that required effort to like move from where I am to like save maybe a hundred, $200, like doesn't feel like it's going to make a dent. And I think what's going to help is like, using a tool like yours or, you know, just doing the math on, okay, if I'm able to save 300 extra dollars, 400 extra dollars a month and what that looks like on like in 10 years with the return rate or what that, that, that amount of time it's able to buy you, then it makes that quote unquote sacrifice, which then will not be a sacrifice. It will be in just an investment in your life. Opportunity. So much, yeah. It's an opportunity. It's like more of like, this doesn't, you know what, like this is a little different. It's different than maybe what, people are expecting or what I'm, what I'm used to. But when I look at the trade-off, like it's worth it. And the other thing that you mentioned is like, this is all about just being conscious, right? Because there are some people who don't mind working the extra seven years for that car because that oh. car brings them so much joy, right? Or even the coffee idea, right? Like, so if you break down how much like that reoccurring habit of buying coffee every day, or if you break it down to just buying it a couple times a week, if you break that down to how much you need to spend like going forward on in your life to be able to afford that, or if, the opportunity cost of, of buying that coffee, like the fact that you're not investing that money, like what it costs you in the long run. And I'm not saying you have to do this for every area of your life, but when you understand what that trade-off is, it just, it just makes, it, it puts you in such a power like of control where, you know what, like I, I do this all the time. Like I'm, I'm actually going to go to to Starbucks, not today. Right. But like, I might say to myself, I know this coffee is probably like too expensive. Um, but I enjoy actually this feeling of working in this coffee shop right now. Like this kind of energy is like really like helping for my day. And technically does it make sense like to spend this much money on coffee? Not right now. No, but you know what? It's the trade-off is worth it. And I'm in control of that decision instead of like you passing a Starbucks every day and you just go in and you're like forgetting what Mindless, yeah. is costing you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's being yeah, conscious and mindful of maximizing your happiness per dollar is what I call it in the book. And you, the, the more that you do this, the easier it is to do. And that's the important thing too, because if you're new to this stuff and this all sounds like, well, that's a lot of work. It's not. I mean, it's something that it gets so easy over time to then all of a sudden it becomes you. You know what I mean? Like I went out and um, you know, I actually figured out that the, the coffee stand uh, across the street for me, this coffee uh, is $1 and it's actually ends up being almost cheaper than me making it myself and taking the time to make it in the morning. I go out, walk my dog. So I'm walking my dog and I'm able to buy it at the same time. And it's like all wrapped into, um, you know, it's all wrapped into my day. And this is the, uh, yeah, just realize that, you know, in the book, in your life. Like, I don't tell you what to buy or what not to buy or what you should do. I'm just presenting the numbers and the evidence and giving you the tools and 
you know, encouraging you to, instead of just chasing that thing, whether it's the next promotion or the, you know, new job or the new title or the million dollars or the bank account number, instead of just chasing that thing, just taking the time to, instead of going outside, just go within. And money is really a reflection of who you are. And if your money is out of whack, that probably means there are some changes that you need to make in your life. But the cool thing is you have the power to change them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all clear. It's not, this isn't rocket science. There's no, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday and there's no secret. This is this thing. We spend our whole life, you know, seeking that secret. Like, you know, there's some magic pill or someone with the secret to a wonderful life and riches like locked away in their safe, but there's no secret. And the fact that there's no secret, that's a really great thing. There's a, I mean, it's like, because this is available to everyone. Like they, the strategies work, they work for me. They work for my friends. Like I lived this, I did this and yeah, I worked 80 hours a week and it was really uncomfortable sometimes. And I made trade-offs that I wouldn't make, you know, again, now looking back, but you really can have all the money you'll ever need. I mean, it's never been easier in history. The path is clear it's not easy, but it's definitely getting easier, right. you know? And that's the thing, like, it, that's, it's, it's like a life philosophy. It's like a way of prioritizing yourself and your future and um, live, you know, it's like, it's like, who doesn't want to live a life that they love? And that's so, it's available to everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. and money, money to me truly is freedom. And that doesn't mean millions and millions of dollars. It means having a mindful relationship with that money so you control it instead of it controlling you. And then it's something you know. It's like a good friend that you have. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you can count on it. Right. It's not some like thing that scares you or it's abstract. Um, and this might all sound like really daunting and really crazy, but it's it it's it gets so easy. I mean, well, it really um, you just got to get started. That's and I was just gonna add on that. That's the thing. Like it just gets started, and every step you take along the way, whether you're in that debt payoff stage, but you're still investing, whether it's that learning stage. I mean, we're all gonna still be continually learning. So nothing you don't ever just understand everything. Like nope. even if it's just that, no matter where you're listening, like where you are in your finances, listening to this, watching this, it is about like each level that unlocks for you, each opportunity that unlocks for you as you keep moving forward, and so. With that, Grant, just want you to mention, um, so if you're listening to this in real time, watching it, this is actually the first time I'm doing like a live recording too. So you can catch that on YouTube. You'll hear like where exactly you on the intro and outros to the episode. But I want you to say where you can find your book um, and where people can learn more about you in general um, if they, you know, just are so like excited to learn more. Yeah. So, um, a good place to start. So I've spent, uh, literally I've dedicated my life to this and, um, I've read over 400 money books and I've dedicated my life to helping others become financially independent. Um, and I encourage you to, yeah, check out the book, uh, financial freedom. Um, you can just go on Amazon or go to your favorite bookseller um, and, uh, you know, ask them for it. Just search for financial freedom on Amazon or check out financialfreedombook.com. Um, it took me 2,800 hours to write the book. A vast majority of the money goes to the publisher. I didn't do it to make money. It's not going to make me rich. It's not some scheme. It's, um, I wrote it for you, no matter where you're at in your own financial journey. And 
Um, I encourage you to check it out. It's a very different money book. Um, it's comprehensive. Everything that I think that you need to know about becoming financially independent is in there. But as Jamila said, it's important to keep learning. Um, but I think it's going to give you a really, it's going to fast track, you know, it's, it's going to save you thousands of hours of learning. Um, and yeah, I encourage you to check it out, financialfreedombook.com. And let me know what you think. Um, hashtag financial freedom book on any of the platforms or hit me up. Uh, the book has its own Instagram at financial freedom. Um, so it has its own account. I'm taking it around the world and gosh, I just can't wait to, to, you know, get this into everyone's hands and, and, and hope it helps you. Um, and you know, money only matters if it helps you live a life you love and everyone has access to that. So, um, at millennial money on Twitter, those are good places to find me and yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. Right. And I'll link all, all that in the show notes for anyone who wants to check all of that out. Grant, I just want to thank you once again for coming on the show. It's like just sharing all your wealth of knowledge, really helpful. And I know for a fact that this is going to help a lot of people. Thanks, Jamila. means a lot to me and I'm excited to be on this journey with you and let's, uh, let's keep doing it. Okay, journeyers, how was that? I mean, Talking to Grant is always insightful because he gives you basically like the real deal in terms of his thoughts and practical steps. I love that about his content. It's really practical in terms of what do you actually need to do? And that's what the book is. So I really encourage you to go out, check out the book, Financial Freedom. The link will be in the episode show notes. The link is also um, on Grant stuff. So at all that, at where you can contact Grant, where you can like let him know what you thought of the interview on the episode show notes at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 82. Also, so if you do want a chance, so if you want to take your chances and win a autographed copy of Grant's book, you can. I have three copies to give away and you can do so by going to journeytolaunch.com slash win. There you'll see what you need to do to win the book. You really only need to do uh, basically like two things. So one, leave an Apple podcast review for Journey to Launch. Take a picture. If you already left an Apple podcast review, no worries. Just find that and send it to me just so I know that you did it. And if you don't listen to Apple Podcasts, that's fine. Just like my Facebook page, Journey to Launch. So type in Journey to Launch on Facebook, it will come up. So all you got to do is one of those two things. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash win. You'll put in your email so I know that you're in the contest and boom, I'll give it a week and I'll announce the winners uh, by next week. So just keep following me on social media. Make sure you're on my email newsletter, which you'll be signed up to once you enter the book contest. And then you'll know if you win that way. Once again, thank you so much for joining me, Journeyers. As always, it's a pleasure to be on this journey with you. And until next week, keep on journeying, Journeyers. Journeyers.